0: So people that are wrapped up in the stonewalling habit don't get to that deep level of understanding because it's stopped, it's capped, it's not allowed. It's one of the biggest predictors of divorce. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Privil Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey everybody, I am going to be doing a monologue on a behavior that I see often in my practice, and it's called stonewalling. Those of you may know what stonewalling is, or those of you may not, so I'm gonna talk about it. Another word that we use for it is the silent treatment. And stonewalling is basically when one person just turns into a stonewall. They refuse to interact, they're non-participatory, They don't communicate, they don't engage. Much like if you were, what, talking to a stone wall. It doesn't engage in any time healthy communication. If one person in the relationship is trying to share their feelings, trying to talk, trying to elicit information and feelings from the other person, and if the one on the receiving end is just a blank slate, doesn't answer, Shuts out, there's no communication. And if there's no communication that way, there's no real relationship. Yes, of course, there are boundaries and there are times that it's very healthy to not be able to engage, especially when there's escalation and a lot of anger that's just going back and forth. It's not a great time to engage if you don't have the tools and the self soothing focus to be able to come down from that anxiety and address it at a different level there may be times where you're just not grounded you don't your cup is full that's probably not the time to engage but ignoring or just shutting down and not saying anything that could be very detrimental and now people do that for many different reasons a lot of times it's because they're feeling psychologically and emotionally overwhelmed and flooded and in some sense, they're just typically trying to avoid conflict or escape from conflict. You know, they're trying to calm themselves down from a stressful situation. In some ways, they're trying to take care of themselves. Yes, it's better to be quiet than it is to really escalate. But when you're quiet, it's good to be able to say that. To say something to the fact of I'm really feeling shut down right now or I'm feeling really closed. I'm not available to talk to you right now. I'll be available in an hour, right? There's a tool right off the bat that I keep saying about a healthy withdrawal. If you need to take a break, say that you need to take a break and then come back when you say that you're gonna come back. And then we're gonna get to that. We're gonna come back to that one too. (laughs) So again, when a stonewaller, is overwhelmed and flooded. You know, they, they may f- refuse to even talk about feelings or topics because they're struggling to tolerate that discomfort. Uh, they may turn away, they may cross their arms, leave the room, of course stop making eye contact, not acknowledge the other person in any way because they're feeling anxiety, they're feeling hurt probably frustrated, anger, maybe some rage, and they're trying to calm that rage down by not saying anything. So some of you might say, well, that's a good thing. Yes, it can be a good thing. It's very, very temporary. A few seconds at the most in that to be able to get your ground in this and to be able to calm yourself down but refusing to engage or acknowledge what the other person was saying, then at that moment, you're controlling the relationship, taking total control over it. You're designating and saying when there will be connection and when there will be contact, when there will be sharing of information, when there will be questions, when there will be answers, when there would be communication in a relationship. And I'm more talking about like this being habitual. People that I know that stonewall, it's a habit. They don't just do it once in a while. They do it when they feel in discomfort, which can be very often. They don't want to engage in conflict. In John Gottman's uh, study, he said that 85% of stonewallers are males. And I've seen many women stonewall in the work that I do. But mostly men get flooded faster. We don't process our feelings and emotions like women do. There might be more arousal that's happening and the anger and frustration. I see a lot of men that they just shut down. A woman's talking and they may not even look at her, shaking his head, maybe have his head down. A lot of times a position I see is when a man puts his uh, arms on his knees and his head down, just looking down and not listening at all. And a lot of times what happens is his partner keeps talking and keeps talking and keeps talking. is not even noticing, or on the opposite, maybe beraging and criticizing the behavior. So I just want to put this out too. It can be a two-way game when it comes to stonewalling. Sometimes the other partner really has a play in it. If there is beraging, if there is escalation in the voice, if there is blaming and criticizing and name-calling, that contributes to somebody to just withdraw and stonewall. They don't have the right tools to say, the way that you're talking right now does not feel good, please lower your voice. Or if they say that, they might say it in a more angry tone that escalates the other person to get angry. So sometimes there is a play going on. You know, many years ago, my mother told me that one of the reasons why she thinks that my parents got divorced when I was a a young teenager was because my father just wouldn't talk to her, she said. He just wouldn't engage, he was silent. Basically, he stonewalled her. And I remember, I remember witnessing that. I do. But also, I remember witnessing my mother would come down hard at my father at times. And my mother would get very emotional and she would have anger and rage at times. Frustrated, of course, from his stonewalling. And it just was the cycle. And it just escalated. The more that he stonewalled, the louder that she got. Or vice versa, the louder that she got, the more he stonewalled. And then sometimes, Couples, and I think they did this too, they end up reversing it. Then I remember my mom stonewalling and not wanting to talk, wouldn't engage. And again, I think that behavior, we're not taught how to self-soothe our emotions, how to be able to come down from that feeling of anxiety to be able to have the communication and the connection to be able to talk through challenging issues. Or even issues that start to even get heightened. Because sometimes stonewalling doesn't happen just with a really detrimental, deep, angry argument. Sometimes it's just a topic that people feel inadequate or don't want to talk about. But you see, that's the problem. If you never get to it, it's just going to keep staying at that level. The level of erosion, the level of frustration in the relationship, resentment is going to occur. Of course, people are not going to be feeling seen and feeling heard. So there is no deep understanding to get to be known in the relationship. And of course, moving through conflict to gain more understanding, which then brings people deeper in connection and deeper into harmony. So people that are wrapped up in the stonewalling habit don't get to that deep level of understanding because it's stopped, it's capped, it's not allowed. It's one of the biggest predictors of divorce, according to John Gottman, part of what he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Those four behaviors are predictors of relationship failure. You know, in its more innocent form, It's just a a technique of avoidance, you know, not to deal with a problem or situation, but in an aggressive aspect of stonewalling, then it becomes more toxic and that could be used in a way of manipulation. It's a way to get their own way and they use stonewalling to do that. And those traits are very detrimental, and they're selfish, and they're immature, and not good for relating whatsoever. It's a very childish, adolescent way of dealing. And some people just don't grow out of it also. So I have a lot of compassion for people that stonewall. I get it. I get getting flooded, and I get getting overwhelmed. I used to stonewall. Mm Mm-hmm. I did. And I just saw how that was so detrimental to my connection with people. And I did it early on in my relationship with my wife. And the way that it worked back then was I was the one that wanted to engage. And I was the one that wanted to communicate and process long. And my wife would shut down. She would get overwhelmed fast. And a lot of times it was when there was too many words that I was just talking and talking and talking and just didn't pause for the really feel sense of what was going on. And then I would get frustrated and then I would withdraw and I probably ruminated and stewed. And then after a while, my wife came back when she was ready to engage. And you know what I did? I stonewalled then because to me, it wasn't fair. You know, why did she, why do we get to talk when she wants to talk, right? I mean, that's like stupid revenge stuff. Fair. Shit, there's nothing fair about it. Because there's no fairness in relationships, like I said. Get caught up in just fairness. That's what I was doing. I was staying more stubborn around fairness instead of opening up to it opening up to her gestures of coming towards me and then engaging. That was just juvenile, and I really worked at it to drop that, to drop that behavior that I knew would not get us to where I wanted to be in relationships. I knew I was capable of so much more than just to have that dynamic of shutting down like that. So I would say to you walls. To recognize the role that you're playing, to understand how detrimental it can be to create the flow of connection and understanding, the depth of respect and acknowledgement. It just cuts that off. you got to recognize that you're being a part of cutting that off. And also recognize and have empathy and compassion for your overwhelm and your floodedness. But also know how to speak to that boundary. To be able to know yourself and respect yourself enough to be able to say, hey, I'm getting really flooded right now. There's a lot going on for me inside that I got to figure out. I need some time. Or it could be as simple as, this conversation is really hard for me. I need to take a few minutes so I can come back. Or I need to breathe right now. Can we pause? It's wonderful when that person can just pause and recognize that they're not participating in a caring and loving and respectful way. To be able to put up the boundary if you feel that your partner is influencing in some manner that behavior. A good one, like, right? Hey, the way that you're talking to me right now does not feel good. I know that you're emotional, but please lower your voice so I can stay present in this conversation. So a stonewaller can learn to put up those boundaries. And to have a lot of self-reflection. To be able to come back to your partner in a self-reflecting way and expressing why you know that you're shutting down and that the challenge and inability to be able to regulate your emotion is also what's influencing it. To be able to reflect of how stonewalling Silent treatment was in your house growing up and how that's influential. And to be able to have a conversation or a dialogue with your partner to let them get more understanding about that, about your history, about why you use that. You know, getting curious, both of you are getting curious of that behavior instead of angry and frustrated because the other partner that's on the receiving end of stonewalling. Being able to really open up and have empathy and try to understand, do not take it so personally because it's not about you unless you're, you've got to do that check to see if you are contributing in any of those ways to influence stonewalling. But if you feel that you're really clean, hey, compassion and empathy can really help the stonewaller to understand themselves and not feel so inadequate and so vulnerable in the feeling of perhaps failing to be able to engage. Like I said, a lot of people, one reason why they stonewall is they feel like, yep, no, I'm not going to talk because every time that I do, I'm wrong anyway. I'm told that I'm bad. That's the tape that they play within themselves, but also maybe that's the tape that they are hearing. And of course, people have a hard time To be able to having that tape rolling that I'm bad, that I'm wrong, and not to just shut down and be silent. To be able to come out of it and to say, you know, I got this tape going on that I think that you're saying that I'm bad, that I'm wrong. I want my feelings or opinions to matter just as much as yours matter. Be able to say out loud to your partner, I want to have more compassion for myself when those tapes are going on whether they're true in your eyes or I'm just hearing it on my side, I want to have compassion for myself. These are not easy focuses, but it's definitely the way to go to move out of that dynamic. You don't want to stay stuck in that at all because that just ferments from years and years and years and then people just create more and more and more disconnection. That stone wall gets thicker and higher and higher and you can't see through it whatsoever. And I'll tell you, I'm a proponent that if that is a mainstay in your relationship and you've tried many, many things over and over for some years, it's hard to live with that. You may not be able to transform that dynamic. And then you've got to make a decision if you want to be in a relationship that is cemented in that way. But if you leave and you find another relationship, you know that you're taking yourself with you. So if you're the one that is not transforming in the stonewalling, of course, it's going to show up in another relationship. But if you're the one that wants to engage and works on your own withdrawals, then working with somebody that really wants to communicate and not shut down and not stonewall is going to be an incredible, fruitful amazing experience for you because it's just going to open up to a whole new world when things have been shut down and you haven't been able to get past many things because the other person just will not engage not talk you're not able to go to the depths in the relationship and the safety that can occur with this so for the person again that's on the other side of the wall as we speak I know when your partner is stonewalling you, you'll probably feel judged. You know, you'll think that your partner is being superior or they're detaching. And since they're unresponsive and you'll probably think that they don't care about you, they don't care about your feelings or your needs, and you'll probably feel abandoned. Even though this person is still in the room and they're not saying anything, they're sitting right next to you and stonewalling, it feels like, you've just been abandoned because they're not engaging. And if you become more critical or if you protest to more emotional connection, this will probably push them farther away. So instead you can give them some space and then come back to it later in a much softer or gentle way. And anyway, that's the way that, you know, a start of a, coming back after a conflict conversation, you want to start up in a gentle and soft way so you can ask them what they need so that you can talk about it in a way that will work with both of you. And I hear this a lot when that question is asked. What do you need from me? You know what mainly what the other person says a lot? I need to know that you love me. And a great response to that is I... Understand that you need me to love you, and I want to do that. Tell me what I can do that you would feel most loved by me. Tell me the things that I can do, the things that I can say. I want to know how you would feel most loved by me. And you don't have to argue and defend yourself around, you know that I love you, I show it to you many ways. Not that moment. Just ask that question and just let it penetrate and just let it digest. Don't bring in one of those horsemen, not the defensiveness, that doesn't work here. That's a big mistake that a lot of couples make. They start defending that they're actually doing that, what their partner wants. And if you are, I just say keep quiet about it, then you know that you are. They may need it in a different kind of texture, a different kind of way. And you can ask them, this is the way that I think that I am loving you. Can you tell me what else I can do right now? Or can you tell me what's not working for you? See, this is the kind of feedback loop that can be so helpful when you're working on the communication that you both feel really seen and heard and understood. It takes the willingness. It takes the effort. It takes the consistency. It takes the kindness, it takes the compassion to do this over and over again, this kind of feedback. So hey, I just had a thought to give a what's up to the stonewallers because, you know, many people who stonewall, they feel justified in their behavior because I just want to be left alone, right? Just leave me alone. And it feels safe and it can feel comfortable and even, even righteous, to want that kind of space. That could be a very unhealthy amount of space. And I'll tell you what, if your partner really does leave you alone, doesn't come back after a while or engage and is open, that they really just leave you alone, it could be a sign that he or she has had enough and is planning an exit. And that should be a red flag to you stonewallers. I see it. I see it a lot. We're finally after... A long time, that partner has just had enough of that silence and that space. And that's hard for them to turn around and turn back into the relationship. So catch that red flag, Stonewallers. You don't want it to get to that point. And Stonewallers, if you recognize that this is part of your behavior, then hey, congratulations to you. Because that's part of... Emotional maturity, emotional growth, you know, is truly accepting what you need to change for the better of the relationship. That's one of the hardest emotional and psychological milestones to achieve. And then if you really want to build like your empathy muscles and really then asking other people around you and your family and your partner, how does the stone, how does your stonewalling affect them? then that's helping that empathy muscle. And that's a real sign of emotional maturity is when you're taking an accountability and responsibility for your actions and you're actually inquiring and asking others what their experience is when you do that so that you can have empathy, which is totally the opposite of those four horsemen. Having empathy is one of the routes of having a successful, wonderful, and deep connecting relationship, when I have empathy for how my partner feels when I'm exhibiting a certain behavior and I know how I'm affecting them, I'm going to probably, yes, I know I'm going to think twice when that behavior that's not serving, that's not beneficial to our relationship, if I can focus on how my partner is feeling when I do that, I can understand her world, and not just being mine and my reactions. Having empathy for somebody else not only, of course, makes them feel seen and heard, but it really helps you change your behavior. You know one detriment of not having empathy? What I see in couples with infidelity. When one of the partners that's cheating really doesn't have the depth of empathy of what their behavior is doing to their partner even if they don't know the pain that it would put them through if they're not feeling that empathy they're not going to change their behavior if they're feeling the depth of that empathy then they're going to change their behavior they have a better chance of changing their behavior i'm just a huge proponent of being able to go deeper and deeper into healthy communication you know, try to talk about situations that are occurring and coming up that you know could be detrimental. Talk about and ask how to handle it, right? The person on the other side of the wall, again, can talk to your partner about the way to best communicate with them when they're shutting down. You know, you can, in other words, ask them what's helpful, you know, what's helpful way for you to talk to them when they're starting to feel withdrawn from the conversation. They may not be able to give you the answer, but you can try something. You can ask them what what it might be. Just take a risk, let's do something different than we're normally doing. That's what I say a lot. Do something different than what you're normally doing that's getting you the dynamic that is getting you nowhere. Try something new. And you know that you're in a healthy relationship when both of you are willing to try new things. Try new ways of connecting, new ways of communicating. Hell, whenever you do something that you try to get better at, another skill, that's what you do. You just try something different when it's not working. You don't give up until you know you've exhausted all efforts. And as my wife would say, that's why with my Capricorn Rising... That's yes, why well, I'm persistent. <laughs> I want to work things through with my more loving and emotional cancer son. Hey babe, how do you like how I put that in there today, huh? So folks, you know, really try to not refuse to enter into a conversation. Of course, create the level of safety, the container to be heard, but the stonewalling or refusing to enter into a conversation, again, it's going to be very, very detrimental to your relationship. Have the courage, the courage to mess up, say things that are very deeply vulnerable, and the courage to reach out for love. Yeah, that's what I hope for all of you. You know, the courage to be able to move past the behavior of stonewalling in your relationship. Yeah, I wish that for all of you. And part of me wants to apologize because in reflection, I'm noticing that I've used the word detrimental so many times. I guess that was unconsciously intentional, but I truly believe that stonewalling is so detrimental to relationships and communication. So I see that I really wanted to make that point. Thanks for listening to that. And before I go, I want to mention that today is a very special day. 25 years ago, today, me and my principessa, my wife, Ivana Rainbow, we met at a retreat center. And those of you that heard the story before, we were roommates at retreat and... We've been living together from the very first day that we met for the last 25 years. And so this is for you, babe, because I know that you want me to sing to you a little bit because the very first day I met you, I, I sang a bit. And so I'm going to chardet you. Mm-hmm. There must have been an angel by my side. Something heavenly led me to you. Look at the sky. It's the color of love. (laughs) You gave me the kiss of life. Kiss of life. You gave me the kiss that's like the kiss of life. (laughs) Thank you, babe. What an adventure. So thanks, folks. I'm going to go downstairs and give my sweet kiss of life.
1: relationships let's talk about it is a production of heartshare counseling and consulting PC of Asheville North Carolina For more on licensed counselor prepo Teplitsky visit heartsharecounseling.com theme music by Adi the monk this content is intended for informational purposes only is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy medical advice diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, let's talk about it, is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A U X B U S dot com. Oxbus.